0: The edge with your Premier League predictions well we've teamed up with InfoGoal to delve deeper into the data behind the game this season from outright favourites to expected goals outsiders we'll help you find value in the markets this season this is Premier League Insights This week is game week number two. And what a game week number one it was, by the way. All teams in action, some real surprises. It's me, James Gregg, with Jake Oscarthorpe from InfoGoal. And Jake, first things first, before we get into all the odds for this week and reflecting on a few different bits and pieces, I just want to just throw up the fact that there was some, well, three standout results, really, from the weekend just gone Pinnacle have tweeted this out at Pinnacle on Twitter and I want people to get involved if you listen to the podcast. If you backed any of these, do let us know because absolutely outstanding. Simply, Tottenham to beat Man City, Brentford to beat Arsenal or Watford to beat Aston Villa. If you had any of those, do let us know because, I mean, it was quite a big shout. First week of the season when you've not really got much to go on. There's no form really coming into it. Teams have made new signings. And City, um, well, they got beat comprehensively, really. It was actually, I think it was quite a, quite a good game from Spurs' perspective. 5.97 you could have got Spurs at before uh, the start of that game. Brentford had got at 3.9 and Watford to beat Villa was at 3.67. Jake, we didn't see that coming, did we?
1: Not really, no. I think the, the most impressive one was, was definitely Tottenham's victory over Manchester City. A number of reasons. Obviously, Nuno's had um, limited time to work with his squad. Missing Harry Kane, um, it's a very strong City team. Obviously, they're even stronger on the bench, bringing the likes of De Bruyne off the bench. Um, but yeah, just, just you know, we can all get carried away now with Tottenham and be like, oh, they're proper series, top four contenders. But it is just worth bearing in mind that they lost the XG battle quite convincingly. Manchester City created three big chances in the match, failed to take them. And that's been a story of Manchester City at Spurs for the last few seasons. I mean, they played there three times, they've lost all three, the aggregate score has been 5-0 to Tottenham. So Manchester City are yet to score at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. And they've racked up 7.6 expected goals over three games. Wow. And we calculate just a 0.05% chance that City would create that many chances over three games and not score a single goal. So another game in which Spurs rode the luck um, at times, but I thought they looked a little bit more adventurous, a little bit more um, attacking than, the, than they did in the two games under Mourinho last season, which I think... Well, please Spurs fans, but like I said, I'm not getting too carried away with Tottenham Um, and I'm not being, you know, too disappointed in Manchester City because it is early days. They're trying to bed in a few players. You've got, you know, Mendy got slated yesterday for his game, um, uh, for his performance, but he'll not be playing too often, I don't think, uh, especially in the bigger games. Um, And they're still missing the likes of John Stones. Obviously, Kevin I've said was on the bench. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm not too too worried. It's early days. Can't really learn too much from that. But just worth pointing out that the fact that Spurs were really fortunate to win that game. And, um, you know, I, I think the same goes for Watford as well, because Watford were really clinical with their chances. Um, something that they're not going to get every week, basically.
0: One team that did look very good, that actually did express a few doubts about, not doubts, but... But a few question marks about how dominant they'd be, despite the signs that they've made in that gen- in the tr- in the summer transfer window. Was Manchester United comprehensively beating Leeds five goals to one? They looked great, and actually, um, the atmosphere and stuff at Old Trafford. I know we talk about you know the, the immeasurable sometimes here on this podcast, and I can see you go, "Oh no, don't do that." But actually, I think actually Leeds were probably a little bit overwhelmed with that. Bielsa really signing his new contract. You know a couple of days before it also just kind of begs the question, you wonder how much influence he's actually had in the pre season preparations. Had he actually, you know, we actually know he was out of contract, but Man United looked fantastic. And um, if they, you know, they've re- really laid down a marker, actually, haven't they? If they want to be title contenders because they were a second, but I mean, they were second in you know, it wasn't even a two horse race, was it? It was they were so far out of it, they were the rest, best of the rest, basically. Stopped, you know, if they carry on like that, in that fashion, well, um, and, and City obviously, you know, falling by the wayside on that first weekend, it's, um, yeah, it looks quite good for United fans.
1: It does, yeah. Uh, again, I'm not getting too carried away because let's not forget they beat Leeds 6-2 there last season. <laughs> yeah, um, true. I think true. it's just a case that, that Leeds', Leeds set-up and system really suits Manchester United. I've said it a few times last season that when Leeds do play, they are playing 1v1 all over the pitch. and. Manchester United, they they love that. They absolutely love it. They've got players that can beat men. They've got players that are stronger, fitter, um, smarter to to be able to breach those gaps and take full advantage. I mean, Bruno Fernandes did it perfectly, didn't he? <laughs> Kept finding the pockets and ended up grabbing himself a hat-trick. Um, you know, the likes of uh, Mason Greenwood did the same, just just left one-on-one versus um, Stroud leads the centre-half, who's extremely slow. And before you know it, it's a goal, so... Um, again, not getting too carried away, but it was a very good performance for United, especially given some of the players that they're missing. I mean, obviously Sancho was on the bench, came on. Martial was on the bench, came on. Cavani wasn't wasn't involved. Rashford wasn't involved. You've got Varane, who's to come into the fold as well. Um, so it is looking really good um, from, a, from a United standpoint. And yeah, it's definitely... I definitely get a little bit excited because they, they did look really good, mm. you know, going forward. But just temper those, um, uh, just just a tad, because there's a few tough games coming up. I know they've got they've got Southampton this weekend, which looks a really really winnable game um, on paper. But then it gets a little bit tougher.
0: Yeah, and uh, some of the winners obviously we'll just run through some of them quickly, just score wise. I mean, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, you know you know which teams have let you down. You know which teams have uh, helped you out in that first weekend on the betting front, and this is what we're going to try and do here on the podcast throughout the season is give you the edge with Pinnacle so Everton comfortable in Raffan Benitez's uh, first game in charge three goals to what against Southampton a tepid looking Southampton Brighton picked up the points away at Burnley Sean Dyche felt like was hard done by Liverpool 3-0 convincing winners at Carrow Road West Ham, what's David Moyes done to them? I mean, we're going to talk about West Ham throughout the rest of the season, um, but they just look so good beating Newcastle. I know Newcastle aren't exactly you know, Manchester United, but come on, that's a good win away from home on the first day. And uh, like we've already touched on, Spurs against City, that was wrapping up the weekend. So to so start this next weekend here on the Premier League Insights podcast, I know this is the bit that you kind of want. This is the way you want the odds. You want Jake's expertise using the Info Goal model. And if you do want to follow the Info Goal model on the podcast this season, it's infogoal.net. That's where you can see everything that is kind of predicted based on all the data. And I tell you what, it's absolutely brilliant. And all the odds that kind of correspond to what Jake's is saying here on the podcast. And sometimes odds don't always correspond. That's where you can find the edge of the market. And um, they're a little bit long, a little bit short, sometimes. You can go to Pinnacle.com and that's where you can find all the Premier League odds and a whole host of other stuff as well. The US Open tennis is just around the corner. We're going to have a podcast on that on this podcast stream uh, coming up. Right, the first game that we're going to preview, because it's the first game of the weekend, is at Anfield. Liverpool against Burnley, half past 12 kickoff. And, um, well, I'm just intrigued to see where you think that we can find the edge. Of course, Liverpool are the red-hot favourites to win this game. 73% chance on your info goal model uh, as we record this uh, for a Liverpool win. Burnley 10% and a draw is seventeen percent So, Jake, where can the uh, listeners and bettors find the edge with this game?
1: Um, Well... <laughs> Certainly not by back in Liverpool. Um, they are way too short for this. I think they, you know, again, there's, there's been a marginal overreaction to their performance at Norwich. They were good, but Norwich played straight into their hands by trying to put on the front foot, left themselves exposed numerous times uh, that led to a couple of goals. Burnley won't do that. Burnley will make life difficult. They'll sit in, try and dig deep. And, uh, and, you know, they've got a good record at Anfield. Let's not forget they were the team that beat Liverpool last season to end their unbeaten home run they drew with Liverpool the season before at Anfield which ended their chance of winning all 19 home matches in their title winning season so you know they know what it's like to go to, to, to Liverpool and get a result um, I don't think they'll get a result but I think they'll get on the score sheet and that's where I think we're, we're finding our value uh, both teams to score because that's priced at around 2.28 on pinnacle um, and you know we saw Burnley against Brighton. They struggled to create chances from open play, but they were dominant from set pieces um, in the attacking box. The goal came from a set piece. Um, ben Mee hit the crossbar as well from a set piece. Um, and, you know, Liverpool were 3-0 up, <coughs> up against Norwich, but Norwich did create a couple of decent chances from set pieces towards the back end. I think it was De Grant Hanley that missed an absolute sitter um, yeah, towards it was, the back yeah. end. Yeah, oh, sorry, absolutely. Ben Gibson. Yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I'm taking that angle. Um and thinking that potential weakness for the for Liverpool, and obviously it's a strength for Burnley, so we could see both teams scoring. And quite happy to give that a little um, a little tickle at two point two eight. Because as I've said, although Liverpool were impressive from an attacking standpoint, there were some question marks towards the back end defensively, where you know they were getting a little bit overrunning midfield. Klopp had to make a few changes um, that did stifle that that um, you know momentum from Norwich. But set pieces was was where Norwich managed to create their best opportunities. So um, you know hopefully we can take advantage of that. And if, if that's something that you're not interested in, I'd be tempted maybe to look at the handicap, but the prices aren't great, really. You um, Plus two on the Asian handicap for Burnley's at 1.87. So that means if they lose 2-0, you get your money back. If they lose by one goal, you get a winner. I could see this being a high-scoring Liverpool win, um, really, with both teams scoring. So I'm I'm happy with the both teams to, sh- to score shout, I think. I think that, you know, from what I've seen, although it's only a small sample. You've got Van Dijk and Matic back in there. Um, <coughs> you'd expect Liverpool to be much better defending set pieces but Norwich did create a fair few chances
0: your proper first nailing the colours to the match day I like it I missed it I uh, really <laughs> have I <laughs> uh, really have missed it ok we're going to move on to the second game of the weekend we'll come on to this shortly but Saturday 3pm kickoff at Leeds against Everton um, <laughs> the next game we're going to go for is uh, Ellen Road Leeds against Everton 3 o'clock uh, the analyst's verdict um, is under two and a half goals. Both teams to score in Leeds' last two matches. Of course, they did get that goal at Old Trafford. Forty-one percent chance of a Leeds win. Thirty-three percent chance of an Everton win. Last year's fixture, just to mark your card, ended in a two-one away win for Everton. It, it feels, Jake, like if this game was probably ten weeks in, had a bit more to kind of go on, there'd be loads of value in this match. Is there some already though? I know it's only game week two. Is there some?
1: Um, difficult to call because obviously we, we we saw Leeds get pumped again at Old Trafford. Um, but Everton are still a little bit of an unknown really. Um, you know, they beat Southampton very comfortably. Southampton's only real decent chance came from a defensive lapse in concentration. Um, and that resulted in the goal. So <laughs> it's difficult really to, to see what we're... Um, you know what to expect I think from a lead standpoint I was a little bit disappointed about their attacking play um, against Manchester United they had a lot of pot shots from distance and obviously the goal came from one, one of those pot shots from right back Luke Island turned you know, left back Roberto Carlos but um, other than that they really struggled to, to carve open Manchester United and, it, and it's a Man United team that's not fantastic defensively so a uh, few concerns there which is hence you know why the under two and a half is, potential, is a potential angle um, and as I said, for Everton, they were really, really threatening in attack. I really enjoyed the directness with which they played with because that's something that we've seen from Benitez and his teams on numerous occasions. They've got some big bodies up there. Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison are big lads that throw the weight around. You've got Townsend and Damari Gray now that can, you know, whip in a decent ball for, for those to, to attack. And it did seem that that was their, you know, that was their game plan, really. It was get the ball in the box as quickly as possible because that's where Calvert-Lewin's strengths are. And you've got Richarlison coming in the back post as well. Lucas Dinia puts in a really, really good ball as well. So I think, I think this game actually sets up quite nicely for Everton. Um, and, you know, at the prices, I understand why, why Leeds are short favourites, 2.27. But I'd be tempted to have a little nibble at Everton at 3.24. Um, you know, a, a smaller bet than the both teams to score bet in the Liverpool game. But I just think the way in which they'll play will... You know, it's the potential to really hurt Leeds. Their Achilles heel is defending balls into the box, um, you know, and, and transitions because we saw them struggle without Calvin Phillips against Manchester United. Uh, whether he'll be back fit for this one remains to be seen, but they really did struggle to deal with, um, you know, the transitions. When they lost the ball, Manchester United were just springing on them, and Everton have got the, the players to do that as well. You think of Richarlison and Damari Gray and Calvert Lewin uh, on the counter attack, and they obviously went there last season and picked up a 2-1 win as well so that, you know, they, they, they've got the players there to, to, to hurt Leeds, they've got a nice combative midfield pairing now of, of Allen and Decore uh, that are back fully fit and they've got a good manager, they've got a wily manager, I know Carlo Ancelotti is a good manager as well but, um, you know, from what we saw last season, they really underperformed f- compared to the talent that he had at his disposal and I think I said this on numerous podcasts, this is a blessing in disguise that Angela actually got picked to go to Real Madrid. Yeah, Um, yeah. Because I think Benitez suits the way Everton wants to play, suits this style of of players uh, and he can do some really good things with them. So starting with a win at Leeds, hopefully.
0: Yeah. And also, I I don't want to sound like every other person who covers football on podcasts, radio, TV, newspapers, but Leeds do have that... Difficult season now, don't they? Where they impress so much, and without talking about other teams of the past, like Sheffield United, because that was a circumstantial thing, actually. It was completely different. I actually think Leeds have a far stronger squad than Sheffield United did in that second season. I actually think that the the strength and depth is better. I think that they play a system that allows them um, to actually probably last in in the league. You know, teams aren't going to work them out because actually at the end of the day even if you know what leads are doing they can still outrun you and outwork you can't they whereas I think that but leads they do have that difficult thing don't they and it's it's a it's a strange one it's a strange one I'm, I'm really interested to see how they will get on this season um, but that might just
1: be in the back of their minds a little bit who knows uh. I'd be surprised. I mean, it, it's, I actually, it's, it's sort of a narrative narrative driven thought in the mainstream media that it's called a second season syndrome, syndrome don't they? Which yeah, yeah. It just so happens that, you know, teams have a good first season when they come up and, you know, have a bad second season, but it doesn't always happen. I mean, you, you can you can obviously name a few. Norwich did it a couple of years back. Burnley did it even further back and then, then you look at Wolves and, you know, they've gone from strength to strength um, since gaining promotion and, um, you know, Newcastle the same, when they came up, they've not gone back down since. And they're of a similar set, sort of stature to Leeds. I think the difference with potentially the likes of Sheffield United and, and Norwich and, and your Watfords that can yo-yo is that they're smaller clubs with potentially, you know, smaller plans, smaller budgets. Um, so yeah, I, I'm not too worried for Leeds in terms of relegation. I, I think matching last season's ninth place finish will be difficult.
0: Yeah. I'd agree. I'd agree with that, but I don't think that
1: they're going to be flirted in that bottom three. Yeah, um, but again, we right. We've only watched them one game at Manchester United, who are fourth favourites to win the title. So, yeah, mm-hmm. there, there could be a slight overreaction. They're obviously waiting for some big players to come back in. Um, Calvin Phillips has been, been one, and um, obviously missing the centre half as well, um, Lorente. So. Yeah, the, it is, you know, it's not it's not the end of the world, but I think that there might be a few teething issues given, especially if they carry on defending the way they did against Manchester United.
0: So if you've got your note pads out, then it's uh, Everton is Jake's tip for the weekend at Ellen Road. That game is a 3pm kickoff. Love to see it. And there's also another 3pm kickoff as well at the Etihad, Manchester City against Norwich. Now it's interesting because if you look at City, they've now lost four of their last six matches. I know that they're against stern opposition um, on the whole, but they've only picked up two victories in six. I know they've made some amazing signings, and that is that is just the nature of the beast. They are the Premier League champions. They are incredibly dominant. But this game poses a few different things, doesn't it? You've got Norwich, who are obviously newly promoted. The last fixture between this pair, though, was 5-0 to Manchester City, and it was the Premier League final day in nineteen twenty season, so I mean, look, there's no value in backing Manchester City, AJ. Uh, Manchester City are eighty-one percent chance of victory with the analysts, and I mean, what do you think? What do you think, on If if you're going to try and pick something out for somebody to gain an advantage, just stick on a coupon. Maybe it's part of an accumulator or whatnot. Where's the value going to be?
1: But, yeah, um, this is probably the most difficult one to trying to find value in because, you know, Manchester City, they created chances against Spurs, but they didn't look as breathtaking as we thought they would. Um, Still unsure about the false nine, whether that suits them over in the 38-game season. Um, You know, Norwich were really poor against Liverpool. They were just, you know, they didn't seem to learn any lessons from the last time they were in the Premier League. Looked open, looked easy to play against. Um, Yeah, so I think it says it all that Manchester City are, Minus two and a half, on the handicap um, is where the market thinks it's going to be. So they think that market basically thinks that Manchester City are going to win this game by three goals. It's hard to really argue with that. Um, but you know, I think not, I'm hoping Norwich will make life a little bit more difficult for City. They'll be wanting be to bounce at... back, though, City, won't they? They
0: won't have liked that they, humbling kind of defeat, they will. Mm-hmm. Spurs on the opening day. They won't like that one bit.
1: No, but if you think of the. Um, you yeah, the title winning season last season, they didn't really blow anyone away. They didn't really, no. top teams four and five, um, it was more controlled, uh, as opposed to blistering. So, uh, you know, I'm half tempted to take a similar approach to that, um, and get, go against goals. And that the line's set at three and a half at the minute. And that, that, that tempts me a little bit under 3.5 goals, just under even money, 1.98, um, I could see a comfortable 3-0 Manchester City win, even 2-0. Um, that that appeals to me more than backing Manchester City to win to nil, which is at 1.771, which is very short given the um you know, the, what what we saw Tottenham do to City's defense uh, in terms of counter-attacking. Um, yeah. and given that there's no Rodri, the relying on Fernandinho doing that um you know all that extra running. It was he was it, 38, 39, 50 something like that Fernandinho. Um, so there's every chance Norwich could catch Manchester City out on the counter attack. So under three and a half, it's probably where I'd be going, but it'd be a very small bet. I'm, like I said, this is <clears throat> the most difficult game to find value in, just because the the two teams are polar opposites. You've got the favourite for the title against the favourite for relegation. You can really hear it in your voice. It's actually quite funny how
0: stressed you are trying to find some value. <laughs> I'm trying I'm trying, to trying so in. desperate, yeah. <laughs> Well, you have. You've given a couple of options there. you two-goal handicap, potentially, but, you know, under three and a half goals. I think that's kind of fair enough on actually what is a really difficult game from a betting perspective. Um, watch Norwich just go win 1-0 now. That would be absolutely typical. But then again, these things do happen. This is what happens. When, um, you know, you follow the Premier League and you trying to sort of gain the edge of the betting market. Let's find one that is the game of the weekend. We do stream like this. We don't do every single game every single week. Um, here on this podcast but uh, for me the game of the weekend well actually you could argue that it's the Monday night game which we'll come on to but Sunday half past four Arsenal against Chelsea at uh, the Emirates Info goal says under two and a half goals um, on this one Arsenal 22 shots five on target against Brent um, they need Lacazette or Aubameyang or, or, to, or to sign a centre forward to they? They start scoring some goals I'm serious now. Who starts centre-forward for Chelsea? Because Lukaku, obviously amazing signing and I think I seem to recall that you're a fan of Lukaku. I might have got that wrong. In fact, yes, you're nodding, so that's great. OK, Jake's a fan of Lukaku. Um, Timo Werner, uh, Kai Havertz, you know, they have attacking players at their disposal. You've got to remember, these lot won the Champions League. You know They're no mugs, they're not, they're not tepid. And it's sometimes quite easy to think of that. I'm, I'm looking sometimes at Chelsea, ah, oh, Chelsea. You know, not quite, not quite contenders. But actually, they are actually serious oh, contenders.
1: Chelsea.
0: Ah, oh, Chelsea. What is interesting with the percentages is that Chelsea are at forty-seven percent, you know, chance of winning. Twenty-six percent chance with Arsenal, um, and draw is actually more likely than Arsenal winning. Twenty-seven percent. Arsenal haven't lost to Chelsea in their last four games. Uh, they won three, draw one, and they won three-one at the Emirates last season when Arteta was under major scrutiny, he really wrestled him out of trouble. you know, that win wrestled Arteta out of trouble, didn't it, in terms of managerial chopping. So um, where do you see it in this one, Jake? Because it's, um, you know, things, if you look at that, it kind of does point a little bit to Arsenal, but then all the percentages are pointing towards Chelsea, potentially, you know, with, with Lukaku in there as well. So what springs to mind?
1: Yeah, first of all, you can't put too much stock into last season's meetings from, uh, in my opinion. I know that the, the players, the group of players, are majority of the same. Arsenal obviously beat Chelsea at the Sanford Bridge as well, but <laughs> huge caveats to that game that it was Martinelli that raced through after a mistake and scored and then Chelsea missed chance after chance after chance. So yeah, there's a huge gulf between these two teams. Um, I know the Infragold model's got around a 47% chance of Chelsea winning, but I think the gulf between these two is actually bigger than that. Um, Currently, Chelsea can be backed at around 1.8 on pinnacle. I'd take that all day long. I think that's a serious bet. Um, I think that they are, as I've said, they're just streets better all over the pitch. They're better defensively. Um, No team has been better at the back since Thomas Tuchel took over based on expected goals. And going forward, they've just got so many more options and so much more firepower. You know, Lukaku coming into the fold. Who's just an absolute beast. He's a handful. You know, you saw what what Brentford did to Arsenal with their physicality. Ivan Tony, the long throws that they put in. Um, you know, they caused Arsenal all sorts of issues. And and Chelsea will be doing that and some. Um, they're just a much better team all round, really. Uh, and as I said, the options are just frightening. I mean, you, you named three of them there, but you missed out Hudson, Adoy, Christian yeah. Pulisic, Hakim it's just bonkers really that the sort of firepower they can call upon and um, you know, hopefully Kante's backfit for this because he he would be, him and Jorginho are a really nice pivot for the rest of the team. Um, if not, Kovacic played really well in the European Super Cup. Mm. Um yeah, embarrassment of riches, really. And I find it very difficult, especially given the you know the circumstances surrounding Bamiang and Lacazette. We don't know why they weren't playing. We don't know why they weren't included. Arteta didn't seem very happy when he was talking about it, which is never a good sign. Um, you know, if, if, they're, if they're not playing, I, I, where are the goals coming from for Arsenal? Like, yeah. You know, I like Bukayo Zaka. I like Smith-Rowe. I like Martinelli, but, you know, they're not really going to do too much damage on their own, really. Um, Is that why then, Jake,
0: on infogoal sorry to stop you in your flow, on infogoal it's it's very much a one point, uh, sorry, under two point five goals is a, is a thing. Just simply because Arsenal won't score, is that, is that is that is that why? That's that's kind of like what's being predicted.
1: Basically, yeah, Arsenal won't score, um, and Chelsea won't score a lot either. <laughs> We've seen that from them under two show. Um, when they do win, they win low scoring games. I think the three 0 against Crystal Palace was one of the first first matches in which they'd actually won and, uh, and the game had gone over two and a half goals. I think it maybe it happened a couple of times last season. I think Crystal Palace at Selhurst actually under the Tuchel. Um, but yeah, it happens rarely and, and that's, you know, the, 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 way, the way in which Chelsea play is just suffocating teams with possession. They don't allow chances because they have so much of the ball um, and, you know, they, when they do create chances they create big chances rather than just taking little pop shots from distance. So, yeah, it's um, recent, recent history is going against Chelsea here, but I think they're just too good. I really do. I think that they'll, I think they'll win quite comfortably. Lukaku's had a going to have a week to bed in, get used to his you know t- new teammates slash old teammates because he was there before. <laughs> How many of them first players are still there? I'm not too sure. Oh, it right. definitely was. Um, but yeah, I, like I said, I, I think that the price is just is too good. I don't think it'll be there come Sunday. They were recording this on a Monday, around 1.8. I reckon they'll be closer to 1.65 on Sunday, especially if there's any more news that breaks around Aubameyang and Lacazette, um, not uh, not being involved. And mm. yeah, yeah, it's not it's not really looking. Good. I mean, just a word on Arsenal. How bad were they against Brentford? Shocking, like absolutely so shocking. Bad. If you didn't know they were Arsenal,
0: you'd have thought it was game from the championship last season and it was like exactly, a, yeah. a mid-table so they were dreadful really bad and usually as well you know when you see a team like you know a game like that where a newly promoted side or a team that's kind of hot on that you know got that bounce got the fans in and it's a big occasion or whatever and they win a game like that usually you actually do look back on the game and you go oh they it, it was it was a good win but actually the other team did look good I and mean, they could have they just missed a lot of chances and things went against them that wasn't the case, was it? Arsenal were really bad. So um, yeah, you're absolutely right on that. I'll get on board. No, they just
1: they just couldn't get into scoring positions. I mean, they, they had 22 shots in total, but 11 came from outside the box. That's yeah. just not an efficient way of playing, you know. If rather than taking a pop shot from distance, recycle the football and try and get it into a, an area with a higher probability of being scored.
0: Part of that, though, is a little bit. I mean, do you think this is? something, again, it's not something that you will have much data for, but just purely as a football fan and watcher, um, is sometimes these teams that come up from the championship, they have been the best, one of the best defensive sides in that league. Of course they have, otherwise they won't get promoted. Now, they don't concede many goals in the championship. Everything's nicely well-drilled. They've had a nice pre-season, you know, without teams, um, generally, you know, players going off and playing international football and that kind of stuff. A nice full-long pre-season. I know Brentford actually did have two or three pre-season matches, which is a lot more than some of the other sides. And they've not had the, the mental <laughs> scarrings yet of being absolutely torn apart by a Liverpool a city and on form Man United. They've not had that, have they? Where they've been at home and they <laughs> literally cannot stop the other teams just cutting through like a hot knife through butter. Yeah, they've not had that. It was the first game in the Premier League and they just thought, right, we'll stick to what we what, pick up from where we left off. Give it a few games and Brentford, when they've been pulled 5-0 at home by City or Liverpool, they might have those fragilities, would you say? But actually, I mean, you know, who knows? Who knows? We'll see, won't we? And I hope not, for Brentford's sake. But you look at how how good they were, you know, they, they just watered everything that Arsenal threw at them on Friday night.
1: So, yeah. yeah. I know so, I know what you're trying to say, you but I maybe mean? I'd be surprised if yeah, basically play with no fear. Um I'd be surprised if Brentford get beat four or five-nil by anybody this season. I think that the way in which they play is just so good, so well suited for top flight football. And I think it was more Arsenal just not doing the homework. They just it was almost like they'd never seen Brentford play before. Yeah. not like they'd been on the championship 36 out of 46 games last season on telly you could watch um, you know everyone everyone who follows championship football knew exactly how Brentford were going to set up they knew how they were going to play they were going to play on the front foot. they are going to press they were going to play better football play a bit of direct football and it just Arsenal just looked like they just rocked up and went ah it's Brentford 'll be all right yeah, um, yeah. and you know and, and they weren't whereas it wouldn't be at all surprising if, if they did put in a much better performance against Chelsea at uh, the weekend because they'll be much more up for that it's, it's you know kind of a rivalry game still not expecting them to win because they are so short in certain areas but yeah, that, it was quite alarming, really, the way in which they played um, against Brentford. And, you know, no surprise that Arteta's been cut into favourite to be the next manager. sack. No, I agree with that.
0: I agree with that. We don't <laughs> offer odds on that nah, on the Premier League podcast. <laughs> but, uh, we could just start doing it. We could start doing a little bonus. When, when managers start, well, well that's, that's one for our producers, a pinnacle. Um, we're going <laughs> to um, move on to uh, the final game we're going to preview this weekend before we come on to any of the business. And actually, you know, I said Arsenal Chelsea is the game of the weekend. It's not. And this game is the game of the weekend, Monday night football, the first edition. Because as we record this, it's a Monday. It's the, it's the Monday after the first week. I'm gutted that there's no game on tonight. Really, really gutted about that. So really pleased that at eight o'clock, I'll probably be in a pub somewhere watching West Ham versus Leicester. And it's definitely one to watch as well because it's a belter. Um, at uh, the London Stadium, I had to think about that for a second, nearly said Upside Park. Uh, how will European football? affect both clubs Premier League for this season it's obviously not really going to affect them at this point uh, you wouldn't have thought at all um, but look it's you know Leicester's options in this game are going to be a key aren't, You know, key to their success aren't they Patsen Dacca uh, signed from the Austrian Bundesliga I know he's very highly typed in. I do follow a little bit of African football so therefore I followed his um, career fairly closely I know he's, he's been sort of very highly talked up. So who knows what he's going to be like. Uh, West Ham, their only recognised striker, though, is Mikhail Antonio on the, on the flip side of Leicester's strength and depth. So, where do we see this? Because Moyes, I just waxed lyrical at the start of this podcast about what he's done in terms of making them this kind of force to be reckoned with in the sort of upper echelons of the Premier League, Jake. But, can they do it against Leicester? Because this is a proper game for them, isn't it? This is like a really tough game. sorts of games where if they're going to finish like they did last season, they need to pick up the points.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. I think I think they can do it. I, I really do. I'm, I'm a big West Ham fan. I think they're an excellent watch, completely opposite to what you'd expect a David Moyes team to be, which is, um, you know, they're quite gung-ho, they're a little bit vulnerable and soft-centred, uh, Concede a few goals and chances. But going forward, they, they're they electric and, and they look that way against Newcastle, which I thought was, um, you know, picked up from where they left off last season. If you remember, they... Finished last season with numerous 3-2s and 3-3s three and, you know, lots of high scoring games. Um I'd be, you know, I'd be surprised if this game was as high scoring just purely because Leicester are a little bit more reserved, a little bit more controlled in the way in which they play. But Leicester were poor against Wolves. They were fortunate to come away with a 1-0 win. It was almost like a bit of a smash and grab in front of their own fans. They, Scored a a fairly early goal and then just sat back and asked Wolves if they could break them down and Wolves created a couple of decent chances. Obviously, Adama Tori had a one-on-one that he put wide early on that could have uh, made a completely different game. So, yeah, interesting game. I think Leicester got a few question marks about them at centre-half. I think Bestergaard will be coming in um, at some point. Still, still not sold on him. Really, I think he's a, he's a an accident waiting to happen back there. Um, he's not as reliable, and or anywhere near as good a player as as Fafana, who's obviously out injured for a little while. Um, and yeah, as you said, they've got they've got options going forward. I think Acho was on the bench at the weekend. So was Daka. Um, Pereira, having Pereira back's huge at right yeah, back. I think he's he's excellent. Um, and you know, I'm looking forward to seeing when what happens when James Justin gets back as well, because he was awesome until he was good. last season. So yeah, re- really exciting to see what happens um, for, for Leicester over the long term, because I think they've, got a, they've assembled a really good squad with Ndidi, Samare in the middle as well when he's needed. Um, and yeah, West Ham, same really goes for them. Really, really soft-centred. The centre-half partnership does not fill me with confidence. The midfield partnership, I think, is solid. Rice and Suchek, uh, and then the front four are, are, are dangerous. You know, Benrahma, Bowen, Fornaus if he plays. Uh, and obviously Antonio, who's just an absolute handful. So, yeah, expecting goals. Really, I think I think that's the main goals, goals, goals. Come on, is. yeah, come on. Where would find the yeah.
0: you, you, you actually, by the way, before you give us that, you did go a little bit. Jake, Oscar thought Roy Keane. Um, you know, saying his accent way to tap and rest of the guard. <laughs> I with that quite. Do more of that, please, next week. Anyway, you, you ever watched much? him? <laughs> um, yeah, I completely agree. By the way, but I did enjoy it. Just ruthless, ruthless. Didn't yeah. you flinch as you were doing it. Awesome. Anyway, yeah. sorry, more of
1: that no, next week. I, I mean, happy if he proves me wrong, because, yeah. you know, if he does prove me wrong, then he's an absolute bargain at around 15 million quid. Yeah. Um, right. But yeah. Goals, I think it's going to be goals. Both these teams, West Ham in particular, will be playing on the front foot. It, it, it's almost, you know, if these two got their sights set on European football, this is a, an important head-to-head, really. And, you know, I think that tends to lead to more goals. It's going to be a packed West Ham crowd. They're all, they're all going to be buzzing after what happened last season. Yeah, you'll not be able to see because of all the bubbles. Um, yeah, I think Leicester, uh, they, were, they were undone by West Ham last season quite well. Um, Antonio in particular caused some complete chaos over the, off the shoulder. Leicester will play a little bit more. Um, transition football this time around I think uh, I think they'll, they'll try and dominate the football but where they can't they'll try and progress it really quickly so I expect Madison to have a good game uh, and feed Vardy down the channels I think that's definitely where they could find a little bit of joy um, especially if West Ham are playing are attacking Manor so yeah I'm, I'm thinking goals over two and a half it's a little bit short or 1.8 but I think that's the most likely in terms of the actual match if West Ham were a touch bigger, I'd be all over West Ham, but I think the price are just about right, around 2.63. Any bigger, I would have been definitely onto West Ham because I think that they're, you know, I think they had the second strongest, second best home record in the league last season. Um, You know, that should only get better really with fans. Um, Well, (laughs) they do well to get better than the second best, but, um, you know, I think, I think they'll definitely be a tough, tough out at at the, uh, the London Stadium. there we go. There we have it. So, there are our main
0: games then. We've got Liverpool versus Burnley. Both teams to score. Liverpool win is what? Jake reckons. um, Everton at (laughs) 3.24. Not loads of value in that next game. that We previewed at Ellen Road. Leeds versus Everton. Maybe both teams to score. City um, against Norwich. Two-goal handicap, potentially. I mean, you found this really difficult, but to be fair to Jake, he has given us a couple of options there, or under three and a half goals. Um, And then uh, Arsenal-Chelsea. Back Chelsea long odds at one point eight currently as we record this on Pinnacle. Do get that in though early doors because I suspect those odds may be changing towards the weekend, particularly if we have more news of those. Well, not quite firing, should we just say Arsenal strikers? Uh, they're missing um, as well. Low scoring game potentially that one. And West Ham against Leicester goals, goals, goals. Uh, both teams playing on the front foot with European football at stake and over two and a half is perhaps a little bit short on odds um but West Ham um to win if you can just sort of get them maybe their maybe their price right that's what you can Jake so there we go so that's our game's recap any other business from the other fixtures uh jake heading into uh, this second game week in the Premier League games we've not looked at or bright against Watford Palace Brentford Villa Newcastle uh Southampton hosted Manchester United uh, the Nuno uh, Derby, um, which is like come surprisingly <laughs> early, trademarked in this yeah. season. Yeah, yeah, that's trademarked to this podcast, and I don't think anyone else will be using <laughs> it. Um, Sunday the twenty second of August at two o'clock um, is where uh, Molyneux uh, seems Nuno return uh, managing Spurs despite leaving. Wolves saying, um, "I'm going to have a bit of time away from the game," which I thought was classic.
1: I mean, he's had a he's had a good two months, you know, <laughs> months <after gym> break.
0: <laughs> yeah, and the preseason, and he signed his contract about two weeks after, did he? <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And with um, so so there are the games. Any any of the business that leaps out that you think actually our our loyal following, uh, you know, listeners should actually be be aware of. and you know, they think oh, actually, you can't really let this episode end without flagging this too.
1: Yes, definitely. I think the, the my best bet of the weekend is Manchester United minus one against Southampton An Asian handicap, um, which basically means if Man United win by one goal, you get your money back. If they win by two or more, you get a, a winner. That's at two point one. I just think that the you know it was, there's, there's been a massive price shift on United. They were around one point eight um, before Southampton played Everton. That's crashed into one point six five now, which is where I'd expect them to be anyway. Because you know, let's be, let's face it, Southampton are terrible. Um, they're not the team that we saw at the start of last season they've obviously lost their main striker um, lost one of their centre-halves um, and yeah they're, they're a team struggling for form I think they've lost 15 in the last 21 games now across the Premier League across two seasons they were poor against Everton really easy to play against Um yeah, and Manchester United, they've got so many forward options that can cause so many issues. And um, yeah, I'm fully expecting a comfortable United win. I'm also looking at the price at Brighton to beat Watford. Um, it's a little bit short. I know there's a couple of people might be listening and thinking, Brighton, you want to tip them up at 1.8 to beat Watford? I just think there's a big gulf in these teams. I really do. I think Brighton are a top half team. Watford are, uh, you know, although they beat Aston Villa, they're still down there in terms of, um, you know, I expect them to be in a relegation battle. I think that, they were a little bit fortunate with some of the goals against Villa. Brighton will be a lot better. They'll deal with the, the counter-attacks a lot better than, than Villa did. I think mm. Ismail saw pretty much ended Matt Target's career, didn't he, on Saturday? Um, Getting him hooked at half-time, turning him inside and out. Um, I don't think he'll have as much joy this time around. I think Brighton are a much more solid unit. Um, they ended last season incredibly well defensively. And at home, their expected points total was uh, second only to Manchester City. So... 1.8 about a Brighton win is, is probably something that I would have a little nibble on as well.
0: Excellent. Well, there we go. That completes the set. Game week two on the Premier League Inside podcast. It feels like the first kind of proper, cool thing. This is how we're going to do it. We're going to do every single game week throughout the season. Uh, thanks for listening. Do uh, feel free to tell some of your pals and stuff as well. If you just stumbled across this podcast and you like what you hear, um, Jake and I will be here pretty much every week of the season. I mean, we're going to do a podcast every week of the season. might not be me and you or someone else in for me or someone else in for Jay. We'll see. But actually, uh, we will aim to be here for all game weeks. And don't forget Champions League podcasts and stuff as well. They're always exciting but always to the same effect as well. Uh, Thanks for listening. You can find more about InfoGold's model as well, that Jake refers to, uh, www.infoGold.net. All the latest Premier League markets at Pinnacle.com as well. You can follow our latest posts at Pinnacle on Twitter. That's at Pinnacle. And on Instagram, we are Pinnacle.Betting. So stay tuned to our socials for more on the Premier League. Also our Advantage Betters podcast as well. US Open Preview. Uh, that is coming just around the corner as well that's ahead of the tennis from Bushy Meadows but uh, we'll be back next week for more from Premier League Insights